Hello, it's great to have you join us today. The vision is for you to see Jesus and then be able to show him to someone. Please grab your Bible and notepad as we journey together in the revelation of Jesus Christ. You are greatly blessed, highly favored, deeply loved. So far, we have actually learned certain things concerning the forgiveness of sins and the justification from all things, which we have as believers, which a believer has in Christ Jesus, by his faith in Christ Jesus, by his believing Jesus. A believer has the gift of forgiveness of sins and justification from all things. And we have seen that forgiveness of sins or justification from all things has nothing to do with the individual. It has nothing to do with you as a believer. It has nothing to do with the sinner. Glory to Jesus. It has everything to do with Christ. It's all because of what Christ has done. And once an individual, no matter how far in sin the person is, the moment an, 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 an individual believes in Christ Jesus, such an individual has the gift of forgiveness of sins and justification from all things. We have learned that this gift is immediate, it is unconditional, and it is eternal. We have also learned that there is no requirement from the individual, from us as humans. There is no requirement whatsoever because God fulfilled all the requirements for forgiveness. By the shedding of his blood, he actually fulfilled all the requirements for our forgiveness. And this was done over 2,000 years ago, long before all of us were born. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. We also learned just uh, at the last meeting, we learned that not even your own unforgiveness can undo that which has been done in Christ Jesus. That is, I do not get forgiven because I have forgiven others. And I do not get not forgiven because I have not forgiven others. Glory to Jesus. Because even sin, sin cannot stop that which, ha that which has been given as a gift. So we, we learned all that. And, um, you know, this brings up another question, which we have dealt with over several weeks now. What about this? What about that? For instance, what about the Lord's Prayer? We have addressed that uh, over two parts. But there's this other one. What about restitution? What about... In order to cement or to concretize my forgiveness, I have to go and undo the wrongs that I've done then my forgiveness is cemented. I strongly believe, and, and of course, there's no surprise here, there are still some circles today where this is the belief. This is the idea. This is the concept of forgiveness. Oh, if you have received forgiveness indeed, in order to show that you have really received forgiveness, oh yeah, go and right all the wrongs. And if you don't right all the wrongs, that possibly means you have not repented and you have not been forgiven. <laughs> Glory to Jesus. Is that correct? Is that true? Of course, right off the bat, you would realize that if you have been following the teaching so far, we have more than enough to actually prove to us that this is not true. This can be true. And I've mentioned some of them today. We have had several teachings on that. You can go back and revisit that. But already by what we have learned so far on this forgiveness of sins series we have more than enough to tell us that restitution is not a thing i mean restitution has nothing to do with the gift of forgiveness of sins and justification i mean what people call restitution however i would like us to actually still consider this just for the sake of explaining scriptures because there are some scriptures that people who believe these have used to actually justify their belief that restitution 
is a key part of what you have to do in order to fully claim forgiveness. So I want us to actually consider scripture just for the sake of considering those scriptures. Again, I, I want to stress we have more than enough to tell us right off the bat that that is a wrong ideology. There's nothing like that. Restitution, our forgiveness of sins and the justification from all things has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with whether you forgive or not. It has nothing to do with whether you restitute or not in the way people see it. Of course, still talking about the forgiveness of sins, talking about the last meeting, of course, why do we forgive? We learned that we forgive now as sons of our father. Because our father forgave us, we forgive because we are his sons. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 into 5, verse 1, Paul tells us that very clearly. Forgive even as your heavenly father has forgiven you. So that is why we forgive. First John chapter 4, it says, We love because he first loved us. So again, what we do as believers, we do because he did it first. Out of the fullness of what we have received, we are able to meet out. In fact, that is a function of growth of a believer in his love work. And that should not be used as a requirement for the forgiveness of the believer. Please, let us take note of that. So, I forgive, not in order to, to, to meet a requirement, I forgive as a byproduct of something that I have received. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. So, let's get right into it. What is restitution? I mean, I, we need to first clarify what people refer to as restitution. The dictionary, of course, calls it uh, uh, the, the return of objects that were stolen or lost. Or it can also be uh, restoring, the act of restoring something to its rightful owner. Or the right of, uh, uh, the act of making good of an injury. Like you 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 uh, you repair a broken relationship based on something bad that was that was done so you correct the wrong writing the wrong that's the easy way to actually put it now this leads me again to a common error today in, in studying scriptures in studying the bible you would always find yourself in error Anytime you try to take an English word or maybe a word in another language and try to make that word take up a meaning in the Bible, that is an error. Because the Bible explains itself. The Bible uses words, even though in different human languages, the Bible has its interpretation of those words. And that is all about reading the Bible in context. Comparing scriptures with scriptures. Letting scriptures explain scriptures. Glory to Jesus. And this is a typical example. Because that word called restitution, that word restitution, actually occurs just once in the old scriptures. That's the funny thing. Just once, you would find restitution appear just once in the entire scriptures and that was job 20 18 let's see that job chapter 20 verse 18 again we are looking at restitution job chapter 20 verse 18 he will restore that for which he labored and will not swallow it down from the proceeds of business he will get no enjoyment, for he has oppressed and forsaken the, the poor. He has violently seized the house which he did not build. Glory to Jesus. So that word restored there is actually the word restitute. To restitute. Okay? And what is happening here? This was actually the testimony of Zophar, one of the friends of uh, Job. Zophar here was talking about the wicked man. He was making an exegesis of the characteristics of what he saw as a wicked man. Glory to Jesus. 
So again, this word does not appear at all in the New Testament. But there are some texts, such as Luke chapter 19, the story of Zacchaeus, that has been maneuvered into the subject of restitution. Before we go into that, may I remind you, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20, let's see that. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20. This is key in, in understanding scriptures. This is key to teaching doctrine in Christianity. Ephesians 2.20 Having been built on the foundation, that's talking about the household of God. The household of God, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. What is cornerstone? The cornerstone is that piece of a building that actually determines every other part of the structure of the building. I mean, everything is patterned after that chief cornerstone. Everything revolves around it. Everything where the design of the building is concerned revolves around that cornerstone. Glory to Jesus. And here, Paul is making it good that, listen, the foundation that we have, okay, is that of the that, that, that which has been laid by the apostles and the prophets. And of course, this is not talking about Apostle Genejo. Uh, this is not talking about Apostle so, 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 and so. The apostles and the prophets. This is not talking about, ah, there's one prophet somewhere, prophet so, 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 so. So, uh, the household of God is built on him too. No, that, this is not what he's talking about. Again, this is falling into the error of trying to not allow scriptures interpret itself. The apostles and the prophets here, speaks about those recorded in scriptures. The prophet speaking about prophet Isaiah, the many things that they've said about Christ Jesus, the many things that has been coming, that has been prophesied. Prophecy in the true state is not, <laughs> oh, and I prophesy, this is what will happen in Nigeria. This is the person that will be president. No, that is not prophecy. When scripture talks about prophecy, that is not prophecy. Prophecy speaks of the things Offices, you know, people that, that, that were called even to foretell the coming of Jesus Christ. Hmm. So again, the scriptures must interpret itself. So apostles and the prophets here talks about what Paul preached, what the apostles in the scriptures preached. So as a believer, you will do yourself a lot of good Whatever Paul the Apostle and the other Apostles do not preach, you do not do. <laughs> you do not preach. Whatever they do not preach from the Scripture, you do not preach. Christ is the cornerstone. Outside Christ, there is nothing to preach. There is nothing to teach. Glory to Jesus. Let me move away from that. That's just a digression because that will help us a lot. What did apostles did not teach we do not teach what they don't emphasize we do not emphasize in fact as a believer as a new covenant believer your goal is to ensure you avoid bringing in those things that they have not brought in glory to jesus no foundation can no other foundation can anyone lay no other foundation glory to jesus so Back to Luke chapter 19, the story of Zacchaeus. So I was saying that this Luke chapter 19 is one of the scriptures in the New Testament that have been manipulated, that have been maneuvered to justify what people call restitution, to justify the act of restitution for a believer. Let's see Luke chapter 19 now. Let's start reading. Glory to Jesus. Luke chapter 19. I'll read from here. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. And he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and come down and came down and received him joyfully. 
But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, of course, we know the day, the Pharisees again, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Glory to Jesus. A bit of a background here. Tax collectors in those days were sorely hated by the people, by the Jews. They were hated and despised. In fact, they were known as, they were referred to as the chief sinners. Why? It is simply because they were seen as people that were in league with a foreign oppressor. I mean, tax collectors were working, were appointed by the Roman government to fleece the children of Israel, to fleece the Jews. So it was only natural, that kind of hatred that the Jews had towards them. So it was seen as, you are siding with a foreigner to oppress your brothers. What height of betrayer? What, what a terrible sinner you are. So this was how the tax collectors were viewed. And Zacchaeus was a chief of them. Scripture says he was the chief amongst tax collectors, the chief amongst them. Glory to Jesus. Now, first thing to note here in this scripture, again, people have used this to say that, you see that, you see now, Zacchaeus restored. He restored everything that they are taking from the poor, he restored even fourfold. So, believers, for us to know that you have changed indeed, do this. Or, for us to know that truly you have repented, and that is when you have forgiveness. So, for us to know, go and, go and right the wrongs. <laughs> we are coming there. So, first thing to note, that Jesus did not demand it of him. Do you see that? Jesus never demanded it from him. Hmm. And how do we know that? Of course, scripture did not record that Jesus demanded it. And number two, we know that Jesus did not demand of it because Jesus' response tells us that. Look at that response again. After he, after he said all those things, I restore for food, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Like, what's the relationship? It was as though Jesus was simply you know, oblivion of what Zacchaeus had just said. It was as if Jesus didn't hear him. <laughs> it was as if Jesus didn't hear him. Jesus went about saying something else, establishing something else. It was that uh, as though he didn't even hear what Zacchaeus had to say. Glory to Jesus. Now, what was Jesus' response again? Today, salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. Again, Jesus didn't say salvation has come to this house because of what Zacchaeus has said. Jesus didn't say, ah, you will return it. Wow, salvation has come to you. Nope. In fact, Jesus' statement, Jesus' response gives us the details of why salvation had come to his house. Let's check it again, verse 9. Today, salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. What is the meaning of son of Abraham? Again, who was Abraham? How was Abraham declared justified? How was Abraham justified? We know that Abraham was accepted by God, not because of what he acquired after the flesh, not because of his good works. Scripture says Abraham was accepted by faith. Romans chapter 4, verse 1 to 5. Let's quickly see that. Abraham was accepted because he believed God's promise of sending a Messiah. Hmm. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. But first of all, let's see Romans chapter 4, verse 1 to 5, because that details what happens in, uh, what happened in Genesis chapter 15. Romans chapter 4. Thank you. What then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Did you see that? 
So Abraham believed and it was accounted to him for it. He was accepted based on what he believed. He believed God's story of sending a Messiah, Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 to 6, tells us that. I don't want us to go into that. But let, let's still focus on Romans chapter 4, verse 4. Now to him who works, the wages are not accounted as grace, but as death. Verse 5. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. So again, Romans chapter 4, verse 1 to 6, uh, uh, 1 to 5, here yeah, tells us that Abraham, who was ungodly, was justified because of his faith. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. So it is clear from here, Abraham is described as an ungodly man who was justified because of his faith in the promise of the Messiah. So when we say the son of Abraham, when scripture says son of Abraham, it is an imitator of Abraham. Just as the way Abraham believed in the promise of the Messiah, this one also does that. Because son there, it actually means one with, re, with, with a resemblance. Who you? One with a resemblance. Glory to Jesus. So, very clear, some people think Abraham was justified because he tried to sacrifice Isaac. No, long before Isaac was born, Abraham was justified. Genesis chapter 15. Verse 6. Glory to Jesus. So, let's move on. Hence, any who behaved like Abraham was also called a son of Abraham, regardless of his natural lineage. Okay? Romans chapter 4, verse 21 to 25 tells us that. Let's just scroll down to verse 21 and 25. Let us cement this thought. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, talking about the righteousness of Abraham, but also for us, hallelujah, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. So we see that. So, as long as you, like Abraham, believe in the coming of the Messiah, believe in the promise of a coming Messiah, you are adjudged righteous after Abraham. This is what Jesus was saying about Zacchaeus here. So because he exhibited that belief, that faith in the promise of the Messiah, so that he wanted to see what the Messiah looked like. We saw that in Luke 19 verse, verse 1 and 2. He wanted to see what it looked like. So that faith made Jesus declare him saved salvation is come to this house so again we have seen jesus never demanded restitution from him restoration from him jesus gave him the the, the the declaration of salvation because he like abraham believed in the promise of the messiah is that clear because if we look at this there were many people after the lineage of abraham that jesus met Jesus never called them sons of Abraham. <laughs> In fact, all through his life, his earthly ministry, he kept on meeting them. Not once, but this guy. Because sons of Abraham speaks about those who would believe in the promise of the Messiah in the likeness of Abraham. Imitators of Abraham. People with the resemblance of Abraham. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. So, Let's see verse 10 as well. There's still more to take out of this. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You know, there's a mirror account of, of, of uh, 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 this, this statement uh, by Jesus. Mark chapter 2, verse uh, 15 to 17, where he used the same idea, saying that I have come to reach the sinner. <laughs> if I, in Mark chapter 2, verse 15 to 17, he was speaking with sarcasm concerning the, 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 the Pharisees. He told them, those who are righteous, talking about the Pharisees, he called them righteous because he knew they were far from it. Those, those who think they are righteous in their own eyes, I have not come, from, uh, come for them. I have come for the sinners. Because everybody Jesus met were sinners. Again, we have done a lot of explanation as to why that is. Hallelujah. So I won't go back into that. So, having laid this fact that Jesus didn't demand restitution from Zacchaeus, and 
Jesus pronounced him saved because of something else, not, not because of his restitution. Let us see another account. Luke chapter 23, verse 39 to 43. What happened on the cross? What happened on the cross? To still help us further clearly see why Jesus would pronounce salvation to this guy. So that we can see that it's not about his action of trying to restore things. Glory to Jesus. Luke chapter 23, verse 39 to 43. 39 to 43. Thank you. Um, um, then one of the criminals who were hanged blas- blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Again, do we see another declaration of salvation to this guy? Why? Because of his faith in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. He had the belief, he had the faith that Jesus was able, regardless of his status as a conquered sinner, that Jesus was able to redeem him. And because of that, Jesus pronounced salvation. Did we hear that? Did we see that? So that is very important. The man simply expressed his faith in the redemptive work of Jesus and also became a son of Abraham right there on the cross. Glory to Jesus. So another thing to to learn about this story, do you notice that Jesus never told him that, you know what? Yeah, you have said well by what you have said. But you know what? First of all, go and return everything you have stolen. Because the Bible says he's a thief. He's a thief because he stole. Why didn't Jesus ask him to go and return everything he stole? <laughs> Comically, you know, uh, 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 the thief will, would have just told Jesus, you know, Jesus, yeah, I really desire to, 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 to restore everything and, and even tenfold, but I am kind of stuck. <laughs> I can't go anywhere right now, can I? Yes, Jesus pronounced salvation on him. So we see that this issue of restitution, we see how Jesus sees it. It's not a thing. Glory to Jesus. It is not a thing. If it was, Jesus would have told him, you know what? Yeah, do this first. Then you meet me in paradise. Glory to Jesus. (laughs) Glory to Jesus. So Christ is enough. This is the point here. And we have established this over the several teachings we have had. But again, we are resounding, you know, resoundingly declaring it that Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Zacchaeus' story shows us how love can change a man. Because again, Zacchaeus was not demanded to actually restore anything by Jesus Christ. He did that because of his own mindset. He was under the law. So Zacchaeus knew the law, Leviticus chapter 6, that if you steal something, then you need to restore it. He knew the law, and that's what he was working with. That's why he did that. Anyway, this shows us how love can melt the heart of a man and cause inward transformation, inward change. Because Christ accepted him. Then he felt, wow, immediately he changed from the inside out. So this is a prime example of how love, accepting God's love, can change a man, can make a man do what he would know otherwise, never think of doing. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. You know, this Luke 19 is so interesting because a chapter before that, Luke chapter 18, verse 18 to 23, we won't go into that. Scripture tells us about a rich ruler, a young rich ruler that made Jesus I say, ah, what can I do to inherit eternal life? To inherit you know, the kingdom of God. Then Jesus told him, ah, you know the law. Go and sell all that you have. Uh, uh, no, 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 no. Not that first. Do the law. Do the dictates of the law. You have received it. Just go and do it. Then the guy boasted and said, ah, I have kept those ones since I was a youth. Since I was a kid. Then Jesus said, mm, one thing you have not done, bro. Go and sell all that you have, give to the poor. This man couldn't release anything. He went back sorrowful. Then this follows that, that, that chapter. Then we have chapter 19. 
a man who was so-called a sinner, who by the acceptance of Jesus, immediately opted to give everything that he had. Glory to Jesus. So it's all strategic. But again, that is not our focus today. You know, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, Paul teaches, what, what the apostles teach is that those who still should do so no longer, but work with their hands so that they can be a, you know, a giver unto others who are in it. So that is what is taught. Again, the motivation is help others. It is not a requirement. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. So, still on the, the story of Zacchaeus, we see again that the mindset Zacchaeus had was based on the Old Testament. And it's so interesting that we are from scriptures. Leviticus chapter 6, we are going there in a the moment. Chapter 6, verse 1 to 7. How we could trace the mindset of Zacchaeus. Why he did the restoration. He even said fourfold. We will see the background of that. And I picked that here today because that is also a scripture that has been used to justify this issue of restitution. This is one of the scriptures that has been wrongly interpreted to actually justify the issue of restitution as a requirement for believers. Glory to Jesus. Before that, before we go into Leviticus chapter 6, I want us to see a few scriptures just to lay a foundation onto interpreting no Leviticus chapter 6 correctly. Let's see John chapter 5, verse 46 to 47. Quite interesting things we're about to see now. It's interesting because this formed the cross of correct biblical interpretation. Some of the things that we're about to uh, uh, see from, 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 from scriptures now. John chapter 5, verse 46. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. <laughs> yeah, Jesus was telling them, what you read in Moses, talking again, when you see Moses in relations to, to, to Jesus and the Jews, many times he's talking about the books that Moses wrote, the ordinances of Moses. So Moses wrote about me, the law testify of him. John chapter 5 verse 39 to 40. Let's see that. John chapter 5 verse 39 to 40. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. Jesus was talking to, 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 to the Jews here. You search the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in the scriptures. Eternal life is not in the Bible. Let us make that clear now. The Bible does not contain eternal life. Hmm. Eternal life is not found in searching scriptures or knowing knowing scriptures eternal life is found in meeting a person christ jesus now scriptures testify of that person glory to jesus so jesus is here speaking you said the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and these are they which testify of me but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life so jesus is eternal life but guess what scriptures testify of jesus so when you read scriptures do not look for eternal life look for jesus because jesus is eternal life so again the major point that i'm trying to bring out here is all scriptures testify of jesus christ all scriptures testify of jesus. let's see more luke chapter 24 verse 24 Let's not, op- uh, let's not open that. We have used that as an example so much in this series. That is about Cleopas and his friends. How Jesus, beginning from Moses, expounded from scriptures the things concerning himself. So again, scriptures, they testify of Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 to 17. Let's read that one. Colossians chapter 2, verse, 7, verse 16 to 17. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 to 17. So, let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths. Essentially, from the context of this scripture, it was talking about the ordinances of the law as a whole. Let no man bother you. Let no one, no one judge you in all these things. Verse 17, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. So here... Paul is telling them, listen, all these things that you see in the law, 
all the ordinances of the law, what you shall eat, what you shall not eat, what you shall drink, what you shall not drink, the, 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 the practices, the sacrifices, the offerings, they are a shadow of a substance, which is Christ. Christ is the substance. Christ is the essence of the scriptures. That is what, Christ, uh, uh, what, what, what Paul is saying here. Let's see Hebrews chapter 9, verse 7 to 12. 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 Thank you. But into the second part, but, but into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year. Thank you. Not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience, concerned only with foods and drinks various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed and this is the high point until the time of reformation again we see here that the dictates of the law the ordinances of the law again including the offerings the sacrifices the gifts the washing of hands the 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 the, the, the food the drink all those dictates the dressing they are all a shadow of the real which was present until the real shows up and that real is jesus is a person is jesus so they are all a type of jesus let's see acts 28 23 lastly on this note acts 28 verse 23 acts chapter 28 verse 23 thank you thank you very much studio so when they had appointed him a day many came to him at his lodging to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. So again, we see the law, the prophets all testify of Jesus. Please get that very clear. I haven't said that. I haven't said that. It is important to add that Jesus himself said, I have not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. In fulfilling the law, it means the purpose for the law, the purpose for the picture, for the shadows was Jesus. Once Jesus came, the law was done. Why? Because the law was a shadow to Christ. Glory to Jesus. <laughs> and the law is not just talking about one part, maybe the Ten Commandments. It's a composite whole. The law has ordinances, gifts, sacrifices, offering, the Ten Commandments, everything all sums up into what is called the law. Glory to Jesus. It's a system of many parts and it is all in saying the law. So, that's clear. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 6 and begin to interpret scriptures. Of course, I have said several times that when you hear scriptures in, in, in the Bible, because as at that time, the letters were not in existence in a book. Scripture speaks about Genesis to Malachi majorly. Okay, when you hear scriptures in Matthew, what was available then were the scripts, the law and the prophets, basically. Genesis to Malachi. So let us interpret that correctly with our understanding of how Christ is the essence of these scriptures. Leviticus chapter 6, verse 1 to 7. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, if a person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord by lying to his neighbor about what was delivered to him for safekeeping, or about a pledge, or about a robbery, or if he has ex extorted from his neighbor, or if he has found what was lost and lies concerning it and swears falsely, in any one of these things that a man may do in which he sins, so several kind of uh, uh, sins, several kind of cheating, Verse 4, then it shall be because he has sinned and is guilty that he shall restore what he has stolen or the thing which he has extorted 
or what was delivered to him for safekeeping, or the lost thing which he found, or all that about which he has sworn falsely, he shall restore its full value, add one-fifth more to it, and give it to whomever it belongs on the day of his trespass offering. And he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord, a ram without blemish from the flock with your valuation as a trespass offering to the priest. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven for any one of these things that he may have done in which he trespasses. So we see what formed the mindset for Brother Zacchaeus. <laughs> he saw this, and many believers they see this and say that you see, you see, you see, you see, you see. In fact, the way the trespass offering worked, if you want to Whenever you want to give that trespass offering, first of all, you must also prepare 100% of what you have stolen and then add another 20%, that is, add another one-fifth of that to give to the person. And you bring your trespass offering to the priest. So you have plenty of, plenty of requirement to gather. The trespass offering, which is usually a ram or sheep or something, and then you have the original principal and then the interest of 20%. So, this brother, having learnt about this, actually responded in that vein. He must have taught it as a requirement that, ah, 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 <laughs> let me clearly do this to right the wrongs. And that's the way many believers think today. But guess what? Tell someone beside you, relax. <laughs> Leviticus chapter 6, verse 1 to 7. In fact, the entire law is not about you. That's why I made us read all those scriptures. These are all pictures of Christ. These are all pictures of Christ. It's not talking about us. Because Jesus is our trespass offering. You know, Leviticus chapter 1 talks about, about four different kinds of offerings. Burnt offering, meal offering, peace offering, then the sin and trespass offering. Glory to Jesus. Now, this offering is talking about Jesus Christ. Just like the burnt offering, just like the meal, the peace offering, is all talking about Jesus. All the offering sacrifices, they speak of one man, Jesus. Why? Because Jesus will take up our place on the cross. Hmm. He will take the place of the injurer, the place of the trespasser. Restore that which he has not taken away. Glory to Jesus. Jesus will take the place of the one that has trespassed and restore that. So this is all talking about Jesus, not about you and I. Remember, Scripture speaks about Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he made him to be seen, who knew no sin, that we may become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is Jesus being spoken of here. Because he, who knew no sin, Peter said he did no sin, the man of action. Paul, again, a man of the earth, said he knew no sin. John, a man of the earth, says in him was no sin. Pilate's wife said, I have nothing to do with this righteous man. She was telling uh, 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 her husband. The thief that we just read about on the cross said, this man has done nothing amiss. Yet, this man became sin. He took her place in sin. He took the place of the injurer to restore that which he took not away. Glory to Jesus. So again, this is not talking about you and I, so relax. This is talking about the office of Jesus, what Jesus will do. Glory to Jesus. Let's see a Messianic Psalm, Psalm chapter 69, verse 4. A Messianic Psalm actually confirms this to us. Psalm chapter 69, verse 4. Psalm chapter 69, verse 4. Glory to Jesus. Those who ate me without a cause are more than the years of my head. They are mighty who would destroy me, being my enemies wrongfully, though I have stolen nothing. This is Jesus. This is a prophecy of the suffering of Jesus, a Messianic Psalm. I still must restore it. I like the way KJV puts it. I restore that which I have taken not away. So this scripture is talking about Jesus. His office. How do I know that? Someone is already asking. Mm, how do you know that Psalm 69 verse 4 is a messianic psalm? How do you know that it's talking about Jesus? Hello? Jesus quoted the scripture. Let's see John chapter 15 verse 25. That's how we confirm. John 15 25. Jesus quoted the scripture. And he quoted it on the night of the last supper when he was about to go. 
glory to Jesus. John 15, 25. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled which is written in their law. Do you hear Jesus confirming again that this is part of the law? <laughs> and the law testified of me. Hope you know that. Moses wrote about me. I have come to fulfill the law. So Jesus is here telling us that part of the law, it was written that they hated me without a cause. Do you see that in Psalm chapter 69? That's how Psalm 69 verse 4 starts. They hated me without a cause. And it ends with, I have come to restore that which I took not away. Psalm 69 verse 4 is a messianic psalm. Which means, Leviticus chapter 6 verse 1 to 7, like several, like every other dictates of the law, are a shadow of the office of Jesus. What Jesus was going to do. Not about you and I. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Wow, I'm excited. So do you see that? Hallelujah. He took our place in sin that we may take his place in righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21. We can't say that enough. You know, the funny thing about this is this uh, uh, dictate of the law, Leviticus chapter 6, is also recorded. Something similar is recorded in Exodus 22. Let's see that too. That has something interesting about it. Exodus 22 verse 1. Exodus chapter 22 verse 1. Exodus chapter 22 verse 1. Glory to Jesus. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, so this is a thief again, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. Glory to Jesus. So this tells us, again, this confirms what we read in Leviticus chapter 6, verse 1 to 7, that there must be a jara, that there must be an overpayment. Is someone excited that Jesus made an overpayment for your sins? What Jesus did was not a life for life payment. It was an overpayment. Glory to Jesus. No wonder scripture says, where, Paul says, where sin abounds, grace super abounds. What Jesus did is greater than your trespasses. Is greater than your sin. In fact, you cannot exhaust what Jesus did in the sins of uncountable lifetimes, of a lifetime of lifetime of lifetime of sins. Glory to Jesus. What Jesus did was an overpayment. He restored what he took not away. He took the place of the injurer, took the place of the trespasser, so that the trespasser can take his rightful place in righteousness. Glory to Jesus. Is someone blessed today? So, again, we have seen from a plethora of scriptures, restitution is not for the believer. <laughs> it is not a requirement. It is not a practice for the believer. Neither is it a requirement for cementing, forgiveness, or whatever gymnastics you want to do with English language there. It is not for any of that. We saw from Zacchaeus' story, a man that is touched by the grace of Jesus Christ, that is touched, that is touched by the reality of the Father is forgiven many. We love much and we forgive. Love will cause him to actually forgive others. Love will cause him to do things right. But never use that as a requirement or as a thermometer, as a measure of how well he is forgiven. No way. No way. Forgiveness has nothing to do with the forgiven. Forgiveness is all about what Christ, what God himself has done. God fulfilled all the requirements and there is no other requirements. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. And the funny thing about this, in fact, let me add this to it as I close. If restitution is doctrinal, if it is truly a requirement, then we have to be consistent about it. Again, there's this thing about consistency. To test the truth, the truth, no matter which way you turn it, it remains the truth. It remains standard. To test this, let's apply some common sense again, some analysis. If we say it is doctrine, then it needs to be consistent it needs to be consistently applied all through every situation. 
So let me ask you a couple of questions, a number of questions. <laughs> How should someone that disvergent a woman restitute? Or someone that raped a woman, how should he restitute that? How does he restore that? Oh, someone that killed a man, how does he restore that? What happens if the one that was offended died? What happens with a dead offended person? Someone that was trespassed against, what if the person is dead? How should this offender restitute? <laughs> In fact, how did Paul restitute after killing several believers? How did he do it? The thief on the cross, how did he restitute after stealing that much, so much that he would get himself landed on the cross? How? How did other sinners that Jesus met, how did they restitute? The woman caught in adultery and a list of them. That tells us that there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that. Glory to Jesus. Come on, give God praise this evening. Hallelujah. It's been a pleasure having you join us on today's podcast. We hope you were blessed. If you have never at any time confessed your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and would like to do this, please say these words after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for me. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for all my sins. You raised him from the dead and is alive today. By his sacrifice, I am forever forgiven, forever justified, and forever saved. Christ lives in me, and as he is, so am I in this world. Amen. Congratulations, you are now a member of God's family. It is now Father to you. We encourage you to grow daily by the knowledge of Christ. Until next time, remember you are greatly blessed, highly favored, deeply loved.